All right, I'm good. Machines have got no sounds. Puppy put away? Yes. <laughs> Everybody gone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for another edition of the South Florida Real Estate Radio Podcast. My name is Matt Gelling, and I'm here with my co-host, the illustrious Dave Magua. Dave, how are you today? Matt, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Good, man. Uh, so today we're going to do a quick podcast on um, is a crash or a housing bubble, bu- bubble burst looming? And uh, we're going to give you 10 points that uh, we think that there is probably no cra- crash on the, on the horizon anytime soon. That sounds like a fair assumption. Let's go through it. All right. So point number one, mortgage rates are increasing. But Dave, mortgage rates are increasing. Doesn't that mean that there's going to be a crash coming or a bubble burst? Well, first and foremost, mortgage rates are not increasing. But I'm sure they will increase in the, in the next 12 months. Um, is it going to make a difference? No. There's, there's too many moving factors. And that mortgage rate is only one of them. Yeah, so the bottom line is um, the rates, even though they may be increasing and forecasted to increase over the next year or two years, um, they're still going to be under the inflation rate, uh, which really means that you're, in essence, almost getting free money at that point in time. Uh, In addition to that, in 2020, we had 4.2 trillion mortgages nationwide. 2.3 trillion of them were refis. Those are huge numbers. in 2021, they're expected to be roughly about 25% lower, but the majority of the refis are, you know, people that are getting better rates and better terms. They're not necessarily doing cash out refis like in the past. Totally agree. They, everybody is who is looking at the market when it comes to, to mortgage, be it to buy, sell or refi, it makes total sense, guys to take the opportunity and use this low mortgage rate to leverage. It's just unprecedented. I haven't yeah. seen this in my 35 years. So take the opportunity and use it if you haven't. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I personally did it myself to where, you know, I bought my house probably about five or six years ago when my rate was 4.25 on a 30 year fixed. And I was able to keep my same exact payment, go down to a 2.25, in a 15-year fixed and kept my same payment. So, yeah, a lot of people are taking uh, advantage of the better rates and uh, and improving their rate in terms, not necessarily cashing out. In addition to that, applications are still way up. And because of the low rates, it's actually still currently cheaper to own than it is to rent. And I think it's going to get worse. That's my opinion right now. I'm looking at the, at the rental market. And if you think that, that there's... A, a, not much inventory for sale, go and try and rent. We used to average around about $1.50 to $1.75 per square foot on rental property. Um, you start at about $2 now on an average in Palm Beach and Broward County. Yep. I think uh, our next point is going to probably be, in my humble opinion, probably the biggest reason why i don't believe there'll be a crash coming anytime soon, which is the demographics, right? So if you look at the demographics, you've got millennials who never, ever really purchased in the past. They always wanted to rent, be free, travel the world. 
uh, in addition to Gen Z, those two generations are some of the most massive generations and who were never in the market for in to buy and are now purchasing houses and starting families. Totally agree. And also don't forget for a long period of time, those millennials have been renting. So you better believe that they've been collecting money and putting money aside for, for large down payments. Mm -hmm. So they are now ready. And also now with, with how um, work has changed where you can actually work from anywhere you want, millennials cannot now choose their best lifestyle, be it in Florida or in a mountain town somewhere where there's, as long as they've got access to internet and the infrastructure is there, they're going to move. So guess what they're doing? They're buying. Yep. Uh, in addition to that, you also have the baby boomer generation who are starting to downsize. You've also got Gen X who are in the prime earning years of, of their lives and are starting to upsize or potentially buying second and third properties. Um, you know, so and then the biggest piece of it for us down in South Florida specifically, right, which is are people moving into or out of the area? And currently, we've got a surplus of about a thousand people a day moving into the area, uh, you know, which is going to uh, put higher demand on housing and keep our supply low. Agreed. And Matt, I think we shared this before. Um, those folks that are moving in here are all of the, the, the above that you mentioned. And they're coming here with a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, it all really comes down to supply and demand. And uh, we have a massive wave of humanity that wants to own, not just in the United States, but specifically in South Florida. Yeah. Everybody wants to live their best lifestyle. And before they didn't have the opportunity because work was the restraint. Now work is not a restraint anymore. Yep. Uh, I've got a client that actually just moved down from the Upper East Side of New York and now can just work off her computer in her condo down here. Yep. And she's leaving New York City. Yeah, it's, it's massive. Yep. Uh, our next point is saving rates, which has been fueled by the pandemic. So uh, there's more money being saved in personal savings than ever before. And part of that or a lot of that is really fueled by the pandemic. Right. So people haven't been going out as much. Uh, people have not been eating out as much over the last year. Um, you know, people not vacationing or taking cruises or going to theme parks as much and really kind of just saving for the unknown. So they have a decent amount of money saved up more than ever before. Totally. So, so th that, that's what the opportunity is because of that. They got these high down payments and that's one of the reasons why I don't think it's going to change because instead of them using high leverage, high mortgage, they're using all those savings that they've been able to put together over that the last 12, 13 months. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, in addition to that, you know, with all this money being saved uh, one way or the other, it is giving a lot of people the opportunity to, you know, just buy cash if they want to. Yeah. I've never seen so much cash come into market before. I think it's 30 down here. It's 30%. So almost one out of every three buyers is purchasing cash down here now. Yeah, That's unprecedented. Yeah. I've never seen that. Um, the other piece that you've got, if you've got a massive, so point number four, a massive migration away from the big cities, really triggered by COVID. Uh, you've got people, like we spoke about, having the options to work remotely. 
people not wanting to be using the same doors and same buildings and and facilities and amenities as everybody else, the other 100 or 200 people in the building. Uh, you know, so you've got this massive migration away from some of the big cities, specifically like New York, L.A., San Francisco, uh, you know, just to name a few. Yeah, that dense, those dense population areas, there's going to take a beating for a while. And there's no doubt that people want to be away from that. I think um, COVID uh, needs to be used as a word um, in our culture forever, probably how we lived pre-COVID and how we live post-COVID. Yep. So uh, point number five uh, kind of ties into the previous one, but technology has enabled people to work from home, uh, whereas maybe prior to this in humanity, we really haven't had the technological ability, you know, whether it's Zoom or FaceTime or uh, internet capabilities to really kind of work from home in many areas and many fields. Totally. This is going to change the marketplace forever. And, and as the technologies get better and, and the internet becomes satellite-based and completely yep. covers the, the earth, this will absolutely change the way we do life. Yeah, so as things like Starlink come to fruition and 5G, you know, you'll be able to live in the mountains and have, you know, perfect internet service. Yep, and it's around the corner. It absolutely is around the corner. Yep. Uh, point number six, I think this, in my humble opinion, is probably the second biggest reason on the list to where I don't think we're going to have, uh, you know, this, this bubble burst in the next, in the foreseeable future. So right now we've got record-breaking equity. Uh, unlike 2008, two things can be true at the same time. So in 2008, people did not have equity and they were falling behind on their payments. Now it's different. People have record-breaking equity and some of them, a lot of them, 2.1 million to be exact, are 90 days behind in their payments. So what does that mean, you know? Well, we can get into point seven because it kind of ties in too. So point seven, homes in default estimated to be about 2.1 million. Mm -hmm. That's about right. Yeah. So, you know, when you take a look at record-breaking equity, point number six, and then point number seven, 2.1 million uh, being in over 90 days in delinquency, um, you know, it gives people options, Right. So people have multiple options. So what are some of the options that they have? Well, they can refinance, right? Mm -hmm. It could be difficult depending on their situation, especially if they lost their job or, you know, maybe they're, you know, low on funds. So it might be a little bit different, difficult to refinance, but it is an option for them. Uh, they could stay and pay, you know, or do a loan modification so they can add their payments to the back end of their mortgage and start paying again and extend their terms. They could potentially do a short sale. You know, that's kind of where they're partnering with the bank, looking at the analytics and the numbers and negotiating with the bank to uh, sell and for to pay off their mortgage at a lesser than what their mortgage rate is. But I don't see that a ton of that happening, especially with the amount of equity in homes. Uh, you know, they could sell and get their equity out you know, and move on with life. Um, I've actually got somebody that I'm working with out in Royal Palm Beach that's going through a divorce. And he's like, well, you know, I'm just going to let the house go. 
So I'm like, well, what do you owe on it? He's like, well, I owe about a hundred grand and, you know, and she's living there and she's got the children there. So I'm just going to, you know, let the house go to auction. I said, well, why don't you partner with your wife? The house is worth 310,000, sell it, get your equity out. And then both of you guys could either go buy something else or rent something else. Why would you, why would you walk away and leave $200,000 on the table? Yeah. That is, yeah, the fighting between spouses, it's a toughie. Yep. Uh, You know, option number five would be they could walk away. I don't necessarily foresee too much of that happening. Some of it maybe, but not a ton of it. And then option number six, you know, they could do a deed in lieu to where the bank doesn't want to foreclose. The owner doesn't want to ruin their credit. So the owner's just going to elect to give the deed back to the bank. Yep. Those are all definite ways. And we can actually share a whole podcast on uh, that that whole section about default because there's a lot going on there that people need to know and understand when when and if it ever gets to that stage. Yeah, I agree. Far away from in most cases now. So point number seven again, homes in default estimated to be about 2.1 million. But with point number six, record-breaking equity, we don't see too much of that coming to market. Will some of it come to market? A lot of it come to market? Yeah, probably. Uh, But even then, it wouldn't really make a dent specifically down in South Florida with an influx of a thousand people a day coming into the state uh, to really kind of, you know, burst the bubble down here. Now, other areas, you know, if you look at New York City, uh, you know, some of these people that are losing California, they're losing in a deficit people per day. Um, yeah, then, yeah, there's potential that you might have some micro bubbles across the United States. Absolutely. Those will probably be the ones that actually hit the, uh, the headlines in the news. Yeah, I agree. Um, we, <clears throat> it's such a tough market to, to consider because it, it's a demographic move from one area to another. So we can talk locally. Um, so, because that, that's our point of authority. And right now, we don't see this happening in the near future. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, what I see with homes being in default coming to market in the near future, I think, you know, towards probably the end of Q3, definitely into Q4, we're going to see some foreclosures hitting the market for people that maybe. You know, like the guy I was talking to out in Royal Palm Beach that is ready to walk away just because, yeah. you know, he doesn't want to deal with this situation and, yeah. and you know, and, you know, sell. Um, you know, so we'll see some of that hit market Q3, Q4, and then definitely early into next year, we'll see some more of it. I think so, too. It'll be very controlled. Um, um, I've been talking to a lot of the mortgage bankers um, that, that actually do that the back end of these mortgages, and they are ready for it. The systems are ready. The software is ready. Whereas when this thing hit in 2008, they had nothing. It was just a huge amount of property going into default and they had nothing to move. Uh, This time around, they're ready. So guys, if your expectation is seeing this happen and you're waiting for it to happen, don't wait. It's not going to be anything like it was in 2008 to 2013. Well, that kind of leads us into point eight, Dave, which is there are no underlying systemic causes uh, for a bubble burst unlike 2008, right? right? So 
back then you had, you know, tons of bad mortgages, right? So you had these ninja loans happening. You had these balloon loans happening to where, you know, the industry was talking people into doing interest only loans to where they would only pay $1,500 a month because it was interest only. And then after five years, you just refinance and do it again. Then after five years, you just refinance and do it again. You know, you don't have any of that kind of stuff going on right now. Loans are either conventional, FHA, VA, um, you know, and they're pretty straight up. And you don't have any really manipulation with appraisals happening now either. All of those things are correct. And, and you think about it um, in the marketplace as, as realtors, we are talking to our, our lenders on a daily basis. And when they feel that a specific program might cause a risk to them, the first thing they do is they pull that program off, off the shelf. Yep. Yep. A, a good example of that was uh, my jumbo loan back in the beginning of the pandemic. We were set to close. I think it was March 13th, whatever that Friday was yep. of last year. Yep. And uh, it was a jumbo loan and we were two days out from closing and they pulled that loan off the, off the table uh, because the pandemic was coming and they didn't want to take a risk on a jumbo loan. Yep. Now in yep. hindsight, you know, that loan probably should have went through and that buyer should have bought that house for $1.6 million because now it's probably worth about $2.6 million. Yep. All risk, right? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, point eight again, no underlying systemic causes to lead us to a bubble burst unlike uh, previous. You know, I can share another story about, you know, one of my good friends had... I think he made probably about fifty, sixty thousand dollars back then, uh, you know, which was a decent living. And he had one point three million dollars in four houses. Yep. <laughs> how, how do you make fifty to sixty grand a year and have one point three or four million dollars in four houses? How do you get approved for that? Yeah. How does that happen? Well, um, did you hit? Uh, there were a couple of stories, even where your pets at home were getting mortgages. <laughs> so yeah it was a strange time and that will never ever happen again yeah yeah uh so that was point number eight point number nine uh we touched on a little bit before but we have a huge record high number of cash buyers uh over 30 percent of homes being sold are cash yeah this is unprecedented guys and it, that in itself is going to make sure that wherever that money has been spent in cash or very, very high down payments, market will not change. Yep. And then, uh, you know, point number 10, uh, you know, so I think, you know, one of my roles with all of this going on, because it's very easy to see headlines and kind of be nervous. And maybe you've got a friend who says that the market's going to crash. Be careful. Uh, you know, maybe you're getting advice from a family member that's, you know, got some fear driven in them, you know, but the number one rule that I always go by is when you take all the emotion out of it, you take the emotion out and you just use the data, right? So if a majority of homeowners, a majority of the population homeowners, so sellers and buyers truly thought we were in a bubble, what do you think they would do? I'm guessing there would be a retreat, right? Yeah. So logically, if everybody thought we were in a housing bubble and burst, then buyers probably wouldn't be buying the way they are right now. 
Yep. Logically, if sellers thought that we were in a huge bubble and a huge housing burst, they would literally be coming out of, out of the market to sell and try and get as much money as they can at the height of the market in droves. Totally agree. No different to the stock market for that matter. That's a good comparison. You, nobody wants to lose money. So they're going, to, they're going to always buy low and sell high. And if there's any kind of feel that it's going to change, things happen very quickly. And none of that is happening right now. Zero, zero, zero. Right. So logically, buyers would never be buying right now if there was a bubble burst happening. And logically, sellers would be coming out of the woodworks to sell to try and maximize on their dollar before this so-called market crash comes. Correct. And they're, and they're not. So those are our kind of top 10 reasons why we do not foresee a crash on the horizon uh, anytime in the short, short or near future. Um, Obviously, you know, things outside that we don't know about could potentially happen with the government, uh, you know, or there uh, something new or unforeseen coming to market uh, that they would do outside of our external forces. But other than that, you know, the data is what the data is. I totally agree. Um, the only thing, uh, buyers, when you're out there looking and doing and, and, and trying to assess what the whole picture looks like, keep an eye on inflation because at the end of the day, what, what it really comes down to, especially if you're doing a mortgage, is what can I afford on a monthly basis? So make sure that you can afford looking at inflation as well, not on the real estate, but everything around you. Right now, you're starting to feel some forms of inflation taking place. But that is the only thing that is there that could make a little bit of a softening. I'm not even saying a drop, a softening. Instead of it going up 16% this year, it might only go up 15 or 15.5. What do you think yeah, so, I mean, we've been talking about inflation for probably, what, at least 6 to 12 months yes. now, where we were kind of feeling it a little bit at the supermarket uh, and maybe a couple places, you know, 6 to 12 months ago. But now you're really starting to see it come to fruition, where, you know, car builders have a shortage in, in cars you know, and, you know, the price of cars are going up, the price of food is going up, the price of gas is going up. So we're really starting to see the effects of inflation starting to come into play now. That's about it. Yeah, I think that pretty much covers exactly where we are. So we are in consensus, Matt and I, that this market is good for a good many years to come. Yep. All right, Dave, any uh, last thoughts or words of wisdom about a housing burst or bubble? No housing burst and bubble. Definitely, if, if you're thinking of making a move, make a move. Because at the end of the day, your home is your home. And the way things changed in the last 12 months for everybody around us, kind of go with live your best life and live it in the present. And if that means, and I'm going to use myself as an example, moving to a two-acre property with huge trees and, and, and a very more relaxed 
form of living, do it. Absolutely do it. Don't waste time. Yep. Um, I would just say if you're planning to buy or sell, whichever side of the fence you're on, you know, we've talked about this before, but make sure you have a really strong game plan. Yes. Uh, either way, uh, make sure you're trying to partner with a professional if you can uh, to help you formulate a strategy for the move uh, or for the sale. Um, I've got a client that I just sold. Uh, a house to not too long ago whose friend is trying to go at it on their own yeah. and uh, they're trying to purchase on their own, you know, without the help of a real estate agent and they're having a really, really tough time. They're getting beat out on multiple offer situations like crazy. And they've been literally shoveling uh, dirt ac- against the tide for probably about two months now. And I'm like, I'm like, Patrick, you gotta have you gotta have her call me, man. I can help her out, you know. But uh, you know, people are gonna do what they're gonna do. Yeah, because everybody's trying to save. But at the end of the day, the way the market is right now, you best have a realtor who understands the the position. If we are acting as the buyer's agent or the seller, because if you don't use the tools that we've had to learn over the last six months, twelve months, that get us proved as the, the winning bid, you're going to be hitting your head against the wall many, many times. And you get mm-hmm. very frustrated and you're going to get very depressed. Yeah. I had a, a new agent or a relatively newer agent call me and uh, they had just gotten into the industry and uh, they went and saw one of my listings, which already had five offers on it. The clients loved it. And uh, the new agent is, you know, I need to get the sale. It's going to be my first sale ever and uh, sent over an offer. And, you know, of course it, it couldn't, the new agents offer couldn't compete with the tenured agents that really knew how to compete in today's markets offer. It makes such a difference guys. It really, really does. And it's usually the small things that we've learned that can change the way things land up for you. It's not always price, as Matt has told us many times. Terms and conditions and talking and communicating with with everybody to be on the same page makes a huge difference. Yeah, in this case, they lost out uh, because they had a very, very low down payment. Uh, Their inspection period was longer than any of the others. Their loan approval period was longer than any of the others. And two of the others out of the six had appraisal contingencies in them to where they stated that if the house didn't appraise that the buyer would come up with the difference in cash. All right. All those things are so important. If you don't have them, you're dead. Yeah. So of course a new agent who's writing his first contract ever, if he doesn't have a great mentor like Dave, um, you know, is not probably going to know many of these things and has no chance of winning in this market. It gets very, very tough. Guys, you're going to have to deal with people that know this business. And sometimes that means maybe upsetting your family member who's a realtor or somebody in your sphere of influence who's a realtor who doesn't have the experience. Because if you go in the wrong direction, it will cost you. Yep. All right, Dave, anything else? Nope, I think that's it. 
Thank All right, my man. Yep. You have an amazing day. Um, and uh, how can people get a hold of you if they need to get in contact with you? Probably the best two ways. Um, uh, go to Google Dave Magua. M-A-G-U-A, and you will be able to get all the information you want. You'll see all our websites. If you want to talk to me directly, use my 35-year-old number. So when you see 754-581-5077, that's me. You can text me and, and call me on that number. Cool. And if you guys want to get a hold of me, uh, you can contact me via my cell phone. Either call or text is fine, 954-295-7540. If you want to email me, it's mattgelling at keys, K-E-Y-E-S dot com. Uh, Or you can hit me up on the Facebook or the Insta at Matt Gelling Realtor. All right. Thanks, guys. Have an amazing day. You too. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks again for joining us for this episode of the South Florida Real Estate Radio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you got some great information out of it. Please leave us a rating. Please leave us a review. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. What are your big questions around real estate? Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.